scripture. We can go right past this. This is usually our, they call this a sermon bumper, if you know that. So the section I want to look at is just, just finishing up last time, Mary's story, kind of a, a fascinating thing. So you imagine uh, when we think about Mary, she's just in the middle of, kind of the middle of the greatest story I've ever, ever told. And she's a young girl, we think maybe 13, 14, 15, 16, somewhere in that range. Most people say pretty young, um, maybe 13, 14. She's engaged to be married. And she's kind of moving past the age when the holidays would have been kind of as magical as they are when we're kids. When we're kids, there's kind of this peak time, I think, and she's moving past that a little bit. The holidays they had were a little bit different. We talked about that last week. Uh, they would have known the Passover. That's when the relatives would have come, and they would have told the stories of God's deliverance. And the one that you think of when you think about Jewish people at Christmas time, Hanukkah. Yeah, so the Hanukkah's got its own unique story, but even that wasn't a gift-giving holiday until it kind of landed around the same time that we celebrate Christmas, and then the Christians are giving gifts, and then this becomes a gift-giving holiday. Up until that time, it was just a time to remember something amazing. And so what they remember is Matthias and his sons battling, and they're in the middle of this battle, and they're almost out of oil, the story goes, and they're actually out. Their menorah is about to run out, but miraculously, for eight days straight, the menorah burns so they can defend their town, they defend Jerusalem. And so they remember this in, in Hanukkah. So this is, but it's not something that every eight days they would give these gifts. So for them, it, it's just like normal. It could have been like a Tuesday and the angel shows up and says, Mary, here is the situation. You are about to be pregnant. And she doesn't understand how this is happening. And she says, how, how can this be? Like I'm a virgin. And they say, the Holy Spirit is going to come and you're going to give birth to a son. He's going to be amazing. You're going to call him Jesus. He's going to be the savior of the world. And I just want to emphasize one more time her response, which is truly amazing. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. And I think about this. Uh, there's a lot of times that how many of you have agreed to something? And at the moment, it seems like a fantastic idea. Right. How many of you, you're thinking, yeah, I bought a treadmill or something like that, right? There's all kinds of things where at the moment, it, it seems like a great idea. It, but over time, though, that kind of fades. And you've got to struggle with that. And I think that's what makes Mary especially unique. When we think of this world of heroes, when we think about heroes, usually they're these physically strapping human beings that can defeat everybody and they, they, they overpower everybody. Or, relatively recently, heroes are the ones that have this amazing keen insight so if you, I don't know if that's Sherlock Holmes coming into the picture, but Sherlock Holmes is now a hero that like he assesses the situation and he knows everything that makes him a hero. Now the bad guys on the other hand are usually one of the two. So bad guys are usually strong or uh, bad guys decide that they want to through their mastermind work, their, the size of their brain power, they're going to take over the world. That never seems like a great idea to me because if you ever play risk, you know, it's hard just to defend Asia, much less the whole world. But this is what their plan is. They're going to take over the whole world. Mary is neither of these. Mary doesn't seem especially, um, you know, this keen intellect that is seeing through all things. She doesn't seem like some superpowering hero, but she's a hero to Christians around the world because simply God laid on her something very, very difficult. And she says, I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as you said. But now, reality hits, I think, in a little bit of a, a way. When God says, you are about to be a hero, you're going to be in the middle of this, your greatest story ever hold, told, and you're going to be pregnant with the Savior of the world. Reality has got to start to hit for like a 13, 14-year-old girl. The same thing happens when you take a new job. You may be inspired at the moment, and you're like, yes, I will now do this. And then the reality says, like, you have to move and take a new job. 
Or maybe this idea that says, like, we are going to adopt a dog. Has this happened to anyone? You said, this is the greatest thing. <laughs> There's like 40 nods, so don't feel bad that, that you bought, you know, adopted the sister or brother of your son and daughter's dog. So this is what happens, right? People get like, this is going to be great. We're going to have a dog. But dogs, I don't know if you know this, but they live. <laughs> right? This is, this is a thing, right? So this is a big obligation, and you take it on, and, and you have to do this. You've got to buy the food, and that's all fun. You buy the kennel. That's fun. You know, the first vet visit, not as fun. But, you know, it just keeps going and going and going, and soon you're like, this is part of our life. And so it used to be vacation. Now there's this obligation, and that's probably not that big of a thing right? Just adopting a pet. Um, it's a big deal when you finally have kids for the first time and you're like, wow, we're pregnant and you're really excited about that. So now imagine though, Mary, she's 13, 14, 15 years old and she's like, here is reality. The angel has now gone and I'm pregnant. How do you break the news? Like what's the next step? Like what's your next move? And she's trying to determine, like, I've, I've got to tell someone about this. I've got to have this conversation with someone, and I don't quite know what to do. So let's back up here for a second. I, there's a question I've asked you about once a year, which is if you could walk through your house right now, and you could just point at items that you have in your house, how many, and you could get the cash back for them right there instantly, how many items would you just say, I would get rid of that and that and that? And the dog, and the, no, 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 that's not, that's right. That, so, the, no, but I mean, how many things would you go through your house that you would love just to get the cash rate back for? I would say it's probably half my house, right? I mean, like, there's not, I mean, besides like the pizza cutter, I mean, I mean but that, that was a great purchase. But I mean, a lot of items, like a couch, you're like, eh. Chairs, lots of shoes that you have, shirts, outfits, furniture, paintings. There's a few items that so inspire joy, you said, I would rebuy it right now. And the reason why that's so compelling, I think, is because a lot of us could use some cash. Even if you have a very good job. A lot of people here have pretty good jobs. But I'm guessing that if you had this influx of dollars, that would be very helpful. This actually happened to me a number of years ago. So, and, and Amy may not even remember this. So we're just married, and I just, uh, we got called to start a church in Seattle. So this is really exciting. And we lived in the parsonage. And my salary at the time was about $30,000, $35,000, something like that. So we lived in the, the parsonage. We're trying to make all this work. We've got a baby. And I look in our bank account one day, and I'm like, Amy, we are rich. We had like 1,200 extra dollars. And this was not, this has not happened very often. And I was so excited and telling her about this. And I started doing some investigating. So this is like, like, where did this come from? And it came from the synod. So at the time, our group of churches. So at the time, I was a missionary, and they would pay my salary. And so they paid me 1,200 extra dollars. And so... That was really disappointing because I knew it wasn't just this miraculous return from something, but there's $1,200, and I had to call the synod offices, the corporate offices, and try to explain to them that they overpaid me. Do you, need, do you want to know like a lousy phone call to make? <laughs> and do you know, you're annoyed when you get put on hold. Do you know how annoying it is when you get put on hold when you're trying to convince someone that they're overpaying you? I'm like, listen, I've been on the phone for like 15 minutes. It, can this be a little easier when you're giving me too much money? So the money disappeared, but what happens if right now I said, I, your good friend, I'm going to give you $50,000. Can you imagine like what that would do to your life? That'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? 
How could you use this? Some of you reading Dames Ramsey and you're like, okay, I will now be out of debt or maybe closer to out of debt. I can get rid of this credit card debt or this high loan or, or maybe it's opportunity. I get to go to school or maybe right now you're working all these extra jobs and you wish you could be with your kids a little bit more and you're like, you know what? That would allow us some freedom. Maybe a vacation you haven't taken in a while. That would be awesome, right? But how do you explain $50,000 suddenly in your bank account? Like the IRS flags it at $10,000 if you didn't know that. So if, so when I give you $10,000, watch out. The IRS is going to ask you about it. But $50,000, how would you explain that to your spouse? So I'm just imagining us. Amy's like, hey, can I take a look at our bank account? I'm like, sure. You know, th let's say it's $5,000. And then she's two weeks later, she looks and says, hey, can I take a look at the bank account? I'm like, sure, $55,000. And I've been watching Breaking Bad up until this point, right? Like, what would, what would she be thinking? How do you explain this great blessing that has happened to you. So now just put your, yourself in the shoes of Mary. Like this great, unbelievable blessing has happened to her. She is pregnant with the Savior. But now the reality is she has to try and explain it to some people. Where would you start? Start with your mom or your dad? I'd start with my mom. My mom listens to the sermon so I can say that. So my mom, I'd start with my mom. Like, okay, here's this, well, if I was Mary. You know, here's the situation. An angel appeared to me. So just imagine this. An angel appeared to me and said that I'm going to have this child. I'm going to name him Jesus. He's going to be the savior of the world. And the child is from God. Your mom might believe you. Now try that on your dad. Your young girl, one of my daughters comes and says, Hey, dad, I'm pregnant from God. Now try and explain it to your fiancé. I'm pregnant from God. So you can just imagine, I think, the weight on this young girl's sh uh, shoulders, and she says, all right, I'm going to go visit Elizabeth, because that was part of the promise the angel made. The angel said, here's the deal. Your um, elderly relative, Elizabeth, is pregnant, six months pregnant. If you want to know if this is going to happen, go see her. So she goes all the way, and that's where we pick it up. So at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Now, keep in mind, though, this is what she knows. So she said, like, hi, Elizabeth, or shalom, she probably would have said. And now, verse 41 is happening, but Mary does not know this. So when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And then she stalks. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. What kind of relief would that be? that in that moment of trepidation, you're getting ready to knock on the door and you just pick someone. And I think this has happened to all of us. Um, if you're about to do something that doesn't make a lot of sense, okay, let's just say you're going to run a marathon. Who do you start with to tell this to? You might just test this like at the airport restaurant with the person sitting next to you just to see if this seems like a really stupid idea. All right, here's what I'm thinking about doing. I'm going to quit my job and go back to school. Would you start with like the closest people to you or would you just kind of test this on a few people? I wonder, I wonder if Mary wanted to test this on someone a little bit far away and say, okay, I got to tell her. I got to tell her I'm pregnant. And I got to tell her that God promised through an angel 
that I'm going to carry the Savior of the world. And she gets ready with trepidation. She's about to knock on the door. And essentially, what does Elizabeth say? I'm so glad you came because this is truly a blessing which is happening to you. And can you imagine just the relief on this young girl's shoulders? And I just picture, when I picture this as a, a young girl, um, knowing someone is ready to listen and to say what has happened to you is truly amazing. I just imagine um, this elderly Elizabeth who's six months pregnant just giving her the biggest hug of all time and, and just talking about this is such a true blessing. So why do I bring that up? I think at Christmas, in, and maybe you've been in a situation like that where you've had to tell someone something a little bit more serious than I'm going to run a marathon or something like that, and I think you've gone to talk to someone and there's something that's weighing down on your shoulders. What does it feel like when the person says, I'm so glad you told me? One of my favorite stories of all time, and I tell it probably once a year because it really is one of my favorite stories, is uh, I went to high school in Fox Valley, uh, Lutheran, and Pastor Daniel Bondo's here, so that's fantastic. He's a new pastor at Living Savior, so he's the one who looks like a pastor. So that's what, um, So he just moved here from Milwaukee, and we went to the same high school together, so hopefully he doesn't know this individual because I, I, I won't give it away. But, so I start hearing, uh, this, there's this young man who is in my brother's class, so he's four years younger than I am, and to put it mildly, the guy's awkward. Do you ever meet people that just make noises? Just for fun? Like, you ever meet someone and you're just talking, they're like, Bleh! and you're like, you know, normal, this is not normal, right? Like, this is, that's the kind of guy he was, and he would just, like, do, like, faces all the time. I'm like, who is this guy? So, um, later on, I hear, and this is not an affront to people who work at McDonald's, but, like, he worked at McDonald's. I'm like, okay. But then I hear this story that there was a girl who was pregnant, and she is uh, she pregnant, and she doesn't know what to do, and she tells Ben, uh, I think I'm going to get an abortion. And so here is Ben, the, one of the weirder guys I know. He was the younger brother of a friend of mine. And he says, tell you what, and if you're going to go get an abortion, tell me when the appointment is, I'll drive you. And so she says, that would be really great. So she gets in the car, and they start driving, and the way that the story is told, this is from Ben, is he starts to talk to her, and he starts to talk to her about not his story, but he starts talking about her story and how Christ's story connects with that. And he starts telling her, you have a God who truly loves you. You have a God who cares about you. And that baby inside you might not, this doesn't seem like the greatest circumstances of all time, but that is truly a blessing, that you get to have life and you get to let this life grow inside you, and you get to give birth to a child. That's something that many people never get to do. So he starts to tell her about all these things, and through tears, by the time they get to the clinic, she says, I don't want to do this anymore. What has happened? Like, awkward Ben, who is not going to change the world on any scope of the imagination. If you just go through, like, our whole yearbook, and you'd say, who's going to change the world? Uh, his name would not be on there, but what happens is this young girl gets to hear the story of Christ right there. And I picture Ben kind of like an Elizabeth, is Mary's coming and there's this weight on her shoulders and she just says, I gotta tell you something. And Elizabeth says, I'm so glad you came. So in the midst of that, I think it makes some sense that after all of this response, right, she's so afraid, Mary has a response of her own. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. And this is often sung, we sing it in church. And my spirit rejoices in God. Do you know how that finishes? 
my Savior. I worked at a custard stand. These are all now stories from Appleton, Wisconsin. So I worked at a custard stand for a number of years. And uh, for, I don't know how many summers, two, three summers. Um, through the year, I worked at the custard stand. So I'd make the custard, and I'd serve the custard. Well, I don't have to explain that. I worked at a custard stand. It's pretty straightforward, right? So, so I'd make this, but one of the best flavors is uh, it would be late at night. This happened regularly. I would say about once a week that it would be 10 o'clock at night in the, you know, the custard stands. We had these folding windows. I'd shut them, and I'd lock them, and I'd start mopping and doing everything. And then you just see this, like, on the windows. Can you, sa- can you hear the sound on the drive through window? Like, bonk, 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 bonk. Pretend I'm still mopping. You know, they didn't let us wear headphones, and the, the guy would knock again, and I'm like, ah, we're closed. And he'd say, listen, brother. And then you knew what the request is. What's coming when the guy's like man to man? Because I was a 16-year-old boy. I understand these things. My wife is pregnant. And she sent me to get butter pecan ice cream. And I'm like, we can make that happen. So I'd get, you know, I'd get, the, I'd get the ice cream or the, the frozen custard and I'd send it out. And, and this would be about the response about half the time. Uh, and sometimes they give me a tip, which somehow made it happen, so I'd make this happen. But anyway, so I'd send it over, like a quart of this butter pecan ice cream, and they'd say, you are my savior, right? And, and to have a savior, you have to have a savior from something. It's not just like a friend. You don't need a friend from something. I guess you could say from loneliness. But to have a savior, you have to have a savior from something. And Mary, in the midst of this thing and all the things, she has a savior from something. And the something she has a savior from is that there's a God who created the world and there's a God who said, because of your sin and my sin and because something that damns each of us to hell, I'm going to send a child and the child's going to come through Mary and Mary is in this moment saying, I have a God. I have a savior that's going to save me from something. And what is that something from? Sometimes from ourself, from God's destruction. And he says, now you have peace. So she says, I have the savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of, does anyone know how it goes? His servant. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. This year, I think if you're going to talk about how do I intertwine my story, you are a people that when you look at the world, maybe you're not the one bringing all this weight, but people are going to come to you. If you're a person that has empathy, if you're a person that cares about people, people are going to say, you know, there's something I want to tell you. And you're people who are grounded in the fact that you have a Savior, you have a purpose, and that you're God's servant, and that you are blessed no matter what happens. Imagine this just for a second. What would our world look like? What would our congregation look like if we were a congregation in a sense of Elizabeth's? You know, maybe you have the weight on, but what would it look like if we were a congregation of people where someone could say, i got to tell you something. Here is what I'm struggling with. Here is the addiction I have. Here is pornography or alcohol or drugs. Here is what I'm struggling with. Our marriage is really not going well. Here is what I am battling with, this particular sin that I can't quite get over. What would it be like if you knew the person you told said, I'm so glad you told me? I'm so glad you told me because I've been in the same place. But we both have a Savior. And through God, we're going to get through this. And God has taken care of this. And I'm going to walk alongside you. And through this, we're both going to be blessed the way that God sees it. 
I think Mary experienced something truly amazing that a relative, she stayed there three months, that someone accepted who she, are, who she is. And I think we get an opportunity to be a congregation that accepts people who they are. And what does that mean? That means we intertwine our story and their story in Christ's story so they can know the forgiveness and have that Savior from something. Amen. At this time, we are going to continue our worship with the gathering of our offerings. If you are a guest, you truly